The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. about that song we've just sung, isn't there? And we're going to go through that psalm this morning to look at why it's so special to everybody. Um, And I trust this morning that you would feel, when you leave this place, you would feel encouraged, deeply touched by God this morning. Because we have been seeing as we journey through the psalms that the psalms help us to process the ups and downs of life in God's presence. There's something about the Psalms that help us journey together in the ups and downs of life. There's something I've realized when we get to this time of the year that um, from about the middle of October to the middle of November is like crazy season, right? We're just wishing and hoping that the year would end. Um, we, uh, if you've got kids, you know, there's a busy time at school and, and you're going, can this year just end? Um, if you're... If you're uh, you know, and the kids themselves are feeling tired of school. And the rest of us who, who kids are perhaps out of the house or you don't have kids, the, the time of year gets so busy that um, we're just looking forward to Christmas, right? And, um, but around about middle of November, it shifts again. So watch out for that. It's just something I've noticed. But perhaps you're feeling right now, you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling like life is difficult for you. And um, we want to go through Psalm 23. What is it about this psalm? that speaks so deeply to us? What is it about the Psalm of David that speaks to our fears, that speaks a sense of comfort, that speaks a sense of hope? I remember part of my, the privilege of being a pastor is that um, you're able to journey with people right to the end, right there in the beginning and right at the end. And I remember this one lady, she, was, she had cancer and she was in a coma. And she was non-responsive. And uh, the staff had called me to the hospital, uh, and her husband as well. He wasn't there at the time. But I went to visit her, and, but she was non-responsive. But I knew time was short. I knew within a few hours she would be passing into glory. And as I started praying the psalm with her, she started responding, not, not speaking, but, but making noises, her body responding. You could just sense that she was hearing it, identifying with it. It's like the Savior, her precious Savior, stepped into the room and took her hand. This Psalm of David, written by a a king, written by a shepherd who understands us. So let's read together Psalm 23 from verse 1. We put it up on the screen. Let's read it together. And as we journey with this Psalm this morning, I also want to perhaps unlock um, some of what the Psalm is really, some of the background behind the Psalm to help us journey with us, to help us understand why this is such a special psalm to all of us, no matter where you are in life. The Lord is my shepherd. As Chris said, the word, the Lord is the word Yahweh. And perhaps you're not familiar with that, with that phrase when it says Yahweh is my shepherd. It was the name that was, that God gave to Moses right in in the book of Exodus. Um, it was such a holy name to the Jewish folks that they don't even say that name anymore. They've, they've put other vowels um, beneath it and above it. And so the vowels of Elohim, another name for God. And so in the old Bibles, you would read Jehovah, and that's really Yahweh with the vowels of Elohim. It's not really a name for God. It's just, 
how they've described it. So the Jewish folks wouldn't even say the name Yahweh. They would say Elohim or Adonai. Yahweh is my shepherd. That word Yahweh means, it's really a verb. It really, it's the verb to be. It really means that God is saying, when, when Moses said, who shall I say is going to go with me to, to free your people from Egypt? God was saying, I am present. I am who I am. I, I am all. I'm, I'm everything you need. I am. I'm Yahweh. I'm with you. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes on to say, I lack nothing. The word I lack, uh, the, 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 the verb there, it's, it's, um, it's not in the perfect, it's in, in the imperfect. What does it mean? It means that, that there's this ongoing sense that God will provide for you. There's this ongoing sense that God's not necessarily going to give you everything you need, and we'll see that in the next verse. Everything you need for the rest of life, he just provides Right now, in the present moment, in the next step, for your next step in the future, he, in your immediate future, God will provide for you. That's what the psalmist is telling us. That's what David realized as he wrote this out for us. And let's see um, when I said that God doesn't provide everything we need. Let's go to the next verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We get in our minds this rolling field of green grass uh, when we came to Australia um, back in September 2008 uh, for the first visit. Uh, we, we moved to country Victoria, right? And, and Victoria, country Victoria, I believe it used to be the biggest sheep growing place in the world, right? It was just this rolling green hills, uh, just beautiful grass and sheep everywhere. And uh, because it's volcanic, they even built these black uh, stone walls. It looked like we were in Ireland, I don't know if you know, but the town in that part of, of Victoria, the western part of Victoria, the western part of Victoria, uh, there's a little town called Port Ferry. It used to be called Belfast. It's like I was in Ireland. But that's not the picture that the Bible has. And we tend to go, okay, there's these sheep rolling around in this beautiful green grass, alfalfa or whatever they use for feeding sheep, rye grass. It's not like that at all. Actually, when the Bible talks about green meadows, it's more a picture of this on your screen. And you go, well, what's that that just looks like a desert? In the, the Middle East, um, there's not a lot of water, right? But at night when the mist comes in from the sea, um, the mist blows along the, 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 the desert and, and it condenses on, on stones or things that are there in, on, on the ground or, or nearby. And, and so the, the mist condenses and just forms a little drip. Next to the stone, there's a little wet, wet, grass, a little wet patch and a green shoot comes up. These little green shoots are everywhere. And if you watch when a, when a Middle Eastern shepherd takes their sheep along the hills, the sheep are walking, right? They're walking because what they're doing is they go to that little bit of green grass and they eat it. And then they move on and they go to the next little bit of green grass and they eat it. And so they, they've provided for just enough for the day. That's the green pastures that the Bible talks about. It means that we're actively in the, in the process of following our shepherd. He provides what you need in the moment for that day. When Jesus said um, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, um, you know, give us our daily bread. God's not going to give you the store for the rest of your life. He's giving you what you need for today. It's the green meadows, green pastures. There's a rabbi who said that worry is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's green pastures. Because God has said in the psalm 
And I believe it's probably the experience of you if you've followed God for, for, for many years. You know that he gives you enough for today. There is a sense of his faithful love, his steadfastness towards you. It's enough for today. Let's go on. Let's also see how our paradigm of, of the Western civilization or streams or bandos also colors this next verse. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. When a shepherd walks along, and I got this information from somebody who wrote a little booklet. His name's William, William Allen Knight. He wrote it in 1904, and he wrote it after he, he had a, a visit by a Syrian shepherd who really taught him about this. And he said, you know, when the, the shepherd's role, when he's leading the sheep along and they're eating these green little shoots as they're going along the hillside, he knows by the end of the day, or she knows by the end of the day, he's got to find water. Water's not everywhere. It's in the ravines. It's in the wadis. It's in, it's in those places that are sometimes inaccessible. And the shepherd, his job or her job is to lead the sheep by sundown to get a drink of water and then to find a safe place for them to settle. Sometimes they've got to go down rocky ravines and, and into places where, where the water's flowing quite quickly. And if you know anything about sheep, they're pretty stupid, right? And, and sheep, you know, they don't really think they, well, they, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but, but they, they can fall into the water and because they've got wool on them, they can get swept down. What the shepherd does, the shepherd takes them along to a place where either there is a, a pool that they can drink at or the shepherd dams up an area to make a pool so that they don't get swept away in this flowing water. And they can rest down and lie down. And sometimes he even needs to take water and pour it out for them in a trough. They're lying down in this place where they're refreshed. He goes on to say, this, this um, man, the Syrian, he said that this, this idea of refreshing our souls, that word really talks about um, God keeping us from places or spaces where we shouldn't be. What would happen in those days, the, 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 the sheep, and the shepherds were not allowed to be in the farming areas, right? You, the last thing you wanted to do was the sheep getting into the farm, the crops, and eating the crops. And if a sheep got into somebody's crops, that sheep's life was forfeit. The sheep had to die as compensation to the farmer. So the shepherd and the, and the sheep kept, he kept his sheep far away from the farming lands. And so that idea of the shepherd taking somebody along, um, restoring their soul, keeping the sheep away from those forbidden places, those places which could affect them, and those places which um, were not good for their heart and their soul as, as a sheep or for their life as a sheep. And it gets this idea that God keeps us away from those areas where we are most vulnerable. Again, the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, he's really saying, "Will you, Father, would you help us stay away from our vulnerabilities? Each of us have vulnerabilities which, which would affect you, perhaps not me, and I've got vulnerabilities that affect me and perhaps not you. We're different. And the shepherd will lead each of us away from our areas of vulnerabilities and refresh us and look after us and nourish our souls. He rescues us from those places. Then he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. What does that mean? Well, again, if a shepherd's walking along and there's some sheep higher up on the hillside, if a shepherd, by the way, Middle Eastern shepherds, many of you know this, but I'll say it so that we all know it. Uh, a, sheep, a shepherd would lead the sheep, right? He would, he would speak or sing a song and the sheep would hear that and follow. It's not like in Australia where you've got dogs and, you know, 
quad bikes and horses, and you sort of herd the sheep. No, in those, in those areas, the sheep simply follow. They hear the master's voice, and they follow. In fact, they've said that, that a couple of flocks of sheep can go through a town with different shepherds, and they'll cross over each other and not get confused because they're listening for the shepherd. They're listening for his voice. And so when the shepherd's walking along and he's in the sheep further up and there's his sheep, if he simply calls them, the sheep will just run in a straight line. It will just run straight down the hill and would, would hurt themselves, fall off a cliff, bang themselves on a rock. What the shepherd does, he leads them in straight paths to come down the mountainside in a way that keeps them away from danger, keeps them on these straight paths. And every good shepherd worth his salt would look after his sheep. Every good shepherd, because his livelihood depended on it. As this verse says, the shepherd leads us in these paths for his name's sake. So the Bible is telling us here that God is going to look after you for his own sake. For the sake of his good name. You might be thinking here this morning, and we're going to look at that in a moment. Why would God care about you? Well, he loves you. But also he cares about his name. He cares about when the word says holy, that God is holy, that God is set apart, God is unique. And when people look at God, God wants people to look at the people he looks after and go, this is a good God. So my friend, one of the reasons God looks after you is for his own name's sake. That he might receive honor and glory Because of the way he's looking after you. There's something that sits in our hearts about this. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't darken the door of a church, when you go to a funeral of your friend who's passed away, there's something about the psalm that sits in your heart and you go, this feels right. He goes on to say, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Sometimes when you're going, when the shepherd's leading the sheep, perhaps to water or perhaps, perhaps to new pastures, he goes around a corner in the valley and the sheep can't quite hear the shepherd, but they're hearing his voice. They're hearing his voice and the other sheep are following and they're following the other sheep. They're hearing his voice. And David has realized and he's able to say, you know, when I'm in the darkest place, actually, I won't be overcome. So what he's saying here, he's saying he's not trying to say that our lives will never be free from suffering. And just talk to Jesus Christ about that, right? God has never promised you freedom from suffering. He's promised to be with you in the suffering. He's promised to journey with you in the suffering. Perhaps we learn the most about God in our suffering. He's with us. You'll fear no evil. There's nothing that can snatch you out of his hand because he's proven himself to you. Now the psalm changes. The psalm, the very center of the psalm is this next verse. For you are with me. It's like the psalmist has written, as David has written this, uh, I can't read my writing, it's either 26 words or 28 words, uh, you can go and count them for yourself in the Hebrew, that lie before you are with me, and again, the 26 or 28 afterwards, I should bring my glasses up with me next time, or write it really big, that I can see it, 
This word, this phrase is in the very center of the psalm. And there's something about all of the things that the psalm says about God, but then it says, but you, it's changing from the Lord is my shepherd to him talking to God and saying, you are with me. There's something about the friendship of God in this psalm that we grab a hold of. That when we walk through the darkest times, when we're not sure of tomorrow, when we only believe we've just got enough for today, we're going, God, but yet I will trust you because you are with me. I've learned to prove that. I've shown that to be true. You are with me. And I've got to practice this every day, friends. There's, there's not enough, and that's what faith is, right? Faith is going, yep, God did that yesterday, but will he do it again today? Will he do it tomorrow? That's faith. But it's based on what you've seen God do. It's based on what you hear God do in the lives of others. It's based on what you've read for yourself in the Bible. You know he's faithful. He's with me now, and he'll be faithful in the future. He's the God who's present. By the way, I'm not going to go into this, but there's, there's somebody who did a study, the words of, for God in the, in the Old Testament. Most of those words or those names are represented of, of God in this psalm. God is there, El Shammah. God is Mahila, El Raphae. You can go and do that study for yourself. But the, this like, what's so beautiful about the psalm, it just depicts God in so many different ways. You, But he says, you are with me. You're my friend. You know me. Knowing that God is always with you, friends, is the foundation of happiness. I started out this series in Psalm 1 saying that the goal of life is happiness. Now we know how we come to know happiness. Every person on this planet wants to be happy. And for us as Christians, knowing that God is always with you is the foundation for your happiness. It's what brings you that security and hope that you can build your happiness on. God is with you. Let's read a couple of verses like in the Old Testament and the New Testament about where God also says this to others. Again, to Moses in Exodus 3, verse 11, 12. But God said to Moses, which is when God was calling Moses, there was the burning bush, and God was sending Moses back to Egypt to go and deal with Pharaoh. But God, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So he's saying, when I look at myself, who am I? I'm insecure, I'm inadequate. And God says, yes, but I... I'm with you. I'm with you. In the vulnerabilities of life, I am with you. I'm Yahweh. I am who I am. Jesus says similar things in John 14. He talks about himself. And, and this is just before he's crucified that night. And, and the disciples are worried about their future. And Jesus says to the disciples, to his followers, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm with you. I know your name. Derek Kidner, an Old Testament scholar, he reminds us, he says that God would not have taken on a flock, a family, if he had not intended that he and they should be bound up with one another. Sometimes we are concerned about our level of faith. Does God hear me? Does God really, is he really going to help me? He's helping others. My friends, it's dependent on what God says, that he's decided to choose you that you would follow him. Your journey, friends, is also largely up to God. 
It's his responsibility to make sure you're going to be safe and good and well. Yes, you have choices. You have choices to stay away from your vulnerabilities. You have choices to make good decisions or poor decisions. You have choices to put some practices into place to help you. But ultimately, God is with you. He's promised to take you on the journey. In this verse, when it begins to talk about how God does this, then verse in Psalm 23, verse 4, the second and the third part of verse 4, and it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, the rod generally is a shorter a staff to fend off animals, and, and, the, and that's the rod. And the staff is a lo- generally a longer stick or a crook to pull sheep away from, uh, from, from danger or to pull them out of a bush. Uh, or to, and, and both of those could be used also for some discipline if the sheep keeps running off. There's some practices that shepherds use if, if sheep keep running off that they teach the sheep not to to do that, not to get hurt, and not to hurt themselves. But this rod and staff becomes a bit clearer in the next part of the psalm. If you're familiar with this psalm and you've done some reading on it, some people say the imagery shifts from being a shepherd to being a host. That's one way to look at the psalm. But this um, person who wrote that book, Alan Knight, William Allen Knight in 1904, his guest said, perhaps not. And so I'm going to use the argument that, this, that the imagery is not changing. It's still about a shepherd looking after his sheep as we look at the next verse, verse 5. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That word table, the Hebrew word can, yes, mean a table with legs that stands off the ground. But it can also just mean a skin that you put out as you prepare a place for your guests to eat. And this shepherd was telling this, this man, William Allen Knight, he was saying that a good shepherd at the end of the day will find a place and make sure and, and prepare that place, make sure there's no poisonous plants that the sheep would eat, make sure there's no snakes in the holes around them, make sure there are no bears or lions up in the hills because they're camping near water and, and, and predators like to be near water because they know the other animals need to come there. And a good shepherd will prepare the place, will prepare the space. Let's call it a table that the sheep can lie down. And as the sheep come into that area, which has been protected, and where the shepherd will lie in the entrance and be the gate, as the sheep come in, the shepherd uses the rod and the staff. Let's take, let's take the rod, the shorter one. And as the sheep come in, the, the shepherd will stop the sheep and, and inspect the sheep. And if there's a cut... Or a wound, the shepherd will pour oil on it. Make sure that that wound is not going to become septic. And if the sheep is really flagging and tired, the shepherd will immediately take some water and give it to the sheep. The shepherd is watching each sheep come in, giving that sheep what they need. The table is prepared. In the presence of the enemies, these animals up in the hills, You anoint my head with oil. You give me the medicine I need. You give me the blessing I need. And you even fill me up with everything I need for life. And so David says, as he's reflecting on the life of a shepherd, he says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. The word love is steadfast love or mercy. You'll keep doing this, God. You'll keep looking after me. I'm your sheep. You'll keep leading me along these paths. You'll keep feeding me, healing me. My cup's overflowing. 
you know what, for the sheep, where else would you be? Where else would you want to be than with a good shepherd? You'd want to stay in his house. The word house can mean a place where you live, but it can also mean family. I'm in God's family. I'm in the shepherd's family. I'm in, there, I'm in this, this connection with him and others. I'm in his house. I'm in his place forever. You see, friends, that knowing that God is always with you, I believe, is the foundation of happiness. So how do we know that? How do we know this to be true apart from this just sits well? We know it to be true because of Jesus. We know it to be true because Jesus came as the ultimate true shepherd. He came to take us on the straight paths. There's a discipling a story weaving through this. When Jesus said, come and be my disciple, a shepherd is also leading the sheep. Jesus came to take us on these straight paths. He came to teach us to hear his voice and to respond, to be obedient as it were. He leads us in areas where we, away from areas where we're vulnerable and where we can struggle with doubt or fear or, or some other besetting sin. He leads us away from those. He cares for you. And friends, he walked through the darkest valley. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He walked to the cross that you and I no longer have to fear that. I was at a funeral two weeks ago. And sometimes when you go to a funeral, it's a sad affair because you know the folks there have got no hope about the future. They don't know what life holds after this. They don't know what that looks like. But Jesus has led the way. He's overcome death. He's come back from the dead, we believe. And he's told us about it. He saved us from the things which would cause us to be disintegrated, destroyed, under God's judgment, concerned about death, concerned about our family's future. When we pass, Jesus has walked that way. He died as the Lamb of God, friends, that we might come back into God's flock. Let's read a few scriptures. And with that, I close. This is Jesus again talking in John 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life. He's talking about the sheep. I've come that they might have life. Zoe, the, this kind of life, it's the, the present eternal life that starts when you, when you follow Jesus. It's the kind of life that changes things for you. I've come that life and have it to the full. I know none of us experience life to the full. There's something drawing us into the future. There's no perfect Christian. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have this life to the full. And one day when he comes back, you would know that to the full. Then he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In a beautiful scripture in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, um, and you can go and read that for, the, for yourself. But John, who's been caught up into heaven, John's one of the disciples of Jesus, probably the last disciple alive. Um, he's caught up into heaven. He's seeing the future. And this is Revelation chapter 7. And he says to the angel, he sees these people before the throne, and he says, who are these people? And the angel says, these are the people who've come out of the great tribulation, the great struggle, uh, the great the, the great." Uh, time of travail on the earth. And these are the people that have washed their robes 
in the, in, in the blood of the lamb. And then it says this, the lamb. Notice how, the, how this changes both from the lamb and the shepherd. Jesus is both. For the lamb at the center of the throne, of the throne will be their shepherd. And notice the words here again. And he leads them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This idea of a shepherd who knows you, and at the center of that psalm it says, and he is with me. He knows your name. He knows what you're thinking right now. I don't. He knows what you're concerned about. He knows what you're happy about. And he says to you, follow me. I'm giving you just enough food for today. And he says to you, if you haven't followed him before, he says to you, follow me. And come to know life, true life. Life that makes sense. Life that you know you want. Life that keeps us away from those places where our souls are disintegrated. You know what I'm talking about. And he will wipe every tear. So how do we put this into practice quickly? Firstly, expect God to give you what you need for today. Not rolling in alfalfa, not rolling in green grass just enough for today. Secondly, when you become overwhelmed by life, remind yourself that at the center of the psalm is this little phrase that God is with you. And lastly, I want to encourage you to use the practices, the spiritual practices we know. And I'll list some of them now if you're not familiar with them. Those spiritual practices, friends, put you in the place. They don't do anything magical, but they put you in the place so you can hear the shepherd's voice to you today. Practices like reading the Bible, praying, fasting, meeting together like this is a spiritual practice. Some of you didn't want to be here this morning, right? You put your, you've practiced this habit of going, let me come. Worship is a practice. Generosity, silence, and solitude. Wherever you're at right now, whatever you're facing, can I encourage you, if you're facing a struggle, can I encourage you to look for the practice that's the opposite to that? For example, if you're really worried about saving for the future, having enough for that, and that's consuming you, perhaps practice generosity this week. I know they'll be hard for you. But what does it do? If you give away something of yours, and you know you're worried about the future, it frees you up in some way to go, okay, God's got this. It's going to be hard for me. Let me be generous to someone else. If life is so busy, you just can't get off the treadmill, It's wearing you down. Practice solitude, silence. Find the opposite practice that is deafening out. Life might be deafening out or or, or drowning out. That's the better word, drowning out the shepherd's voice. Find the practice that's opposite to that, that you might hear him again. 
We're going to pray together now. I'm going to invite you to stand with me and pray the Lord's Prayer. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then if you know the Lord's Prayer, then would you say it after me? We're going to sort of use the older translation for this. But let me lead you in prayer this morning first before we pray together, before we pray the psalm together. Father, thank you that you have taught us. You've taught us to follow you with all of our hearts. You've shown us that you're faithful. Your own son left that place in heaven, that relationship he had with you, that we might be in your family and dwell in that family forever. So, Father, this morning as we each come And as the psalm lands for each of us differently this morning, would you apply that through your spirit? Might each of us know we are not alone. You have us each. You have our families. You have this church. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you, to hearing your voice. Let's pray the Psalm 23 together, if you know it. Let's do it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.